I'm Lydia Finch, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, The Real ESP Experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 198, and I'm your host, Helena Levin. Today joining me is my co-host, Pontus Bachmann. Всем привет! Hey, Sara, hey, San Jelena. How are you? Getting closer! <laughs> <laughs> Peak two zero zero yep. two episodes away. Oh my god! Couple um, of weeks now. Yes. Doing really well. Doing really well. How are you? I'm fine. I uh, as soon as we stop recording, I'll have to go to the dentist because I have a I've cracked a tooth. But uh, I think oh fuck, it will I'm not uh, interfere with the the ESP. Of course, everything for the ESP. So, but otherwise, I'm well. I'm everything's fine. Yeah. All Great. right. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah, everything is good here too. Mm-hmm. I am actually going to finally, after all these months of being in Seattle, uh, to a Seattle Skeptics meeting, Ooh. which is happening December 17th, which is Tuesday. Okay, I mean, I, admittedly, there's still a couple of weeks away, and actually, after the release of our 200th episode, but I'm going to Seattle Skeptics meeting, and the theme will be Disruptive Play, the Trickster in Politics and Culture. Now, that's a very interesting concept, and I will tell you all about it after I've been. <laughs> uh, but it's something about uh, the authority and uh, the way to question and be in modern... I don't know. Something. I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But it looked interesting, the, the topic, and the guy who is presenting it, a PhD. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I will... Good. I shall keep you posted. It's um, it's a different type of um, skeptics. <laughs> okay, good. No, no Matt Dillahanty, unfortunately. You know, that's oh, no. all. Well, he's busy elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have. <laughs> I don't understand why he doesn't come to Seattle. For no, example. <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, I, I think if you really hit it off with the Seattle skeptics, we should make a hostile takeover, and we'll incorporate Seattle with the rest of Europe, and uh, we will <laughs> do that. Uh, that's your uh, assignment, Jelena. Right, okay, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right, speaking of uh, interesting events coming up, uh, since we so often we talk about um, Edzard Ernst, I want to give a shout out to listener Larissa, who contacted us to let us know that Edzard Ernst will give a talk in Berlin at the Humboldt University on 6th of December. So thank you very much for the tip. And if you're a listener and anywhere around Berlin, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be in German, I assume. Yes, I, it will be in German. But you, but all the details uh, can be found in our events in Europe page on our website, theesp.eu. And I know, of course, we have a lot of uh, German-speaking listeners, so I'm sure. I, if you go there, any listener, shout out to any listener who goes there, why don't you uh, tell us afterwards how it was and uh, say hello to Edzard for us? For mm-hmm. sure, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be very informative and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yes, so, and I believe today, Pontus, you can confirm uh, that, we have an interview on offer. Yes, so this is an interview episode this week. And and it's a rather serious topic, in, in my opinion. It's mm. Maybe it's the most serious we have had in a long time. We're mm. talking to ex-Jehovah's Witness Lydia Finch. And it's a sort of a follow-up from two weeks ago when we gave a really wrong award to the Swedish government for approving JW as a religious foundation, mm. uh, which would be eligible for public support in Sweden in terms of some funding. So so Lydia is not Swedish. She, she's from the UK. But her story is pretty universal when it comes to Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, very interesting to, to listen to. Indeed, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see them uh, all over the place, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know actually any any Jehovah's Witnesses personally. But, no, um, they've knocked on my door a few times. It hasn't been a, a good time to talk to them. I did have a discussion with one guy on the street a long time ago. And uh, it was very civil, but uh, he didn't convince me for some reason. <laughs> Nor I him, <laughs> should, I should say. I tried. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But I guess without further ado, we'll, uh, we'll get right into the interview. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we had a segment about Jehovah's Witnesses and how the Swedish government, after being lobbied for 12 years, have decided to include Jehovah's Witnesses in the list of religious foundations in Sweden who receive public support and some funding. I thought it would be appropriate to hear the views of somebody who's actually seen the church from the inside and can provide us with some background and some first-hand information. So uh, with me today over Skype from the UK is Lydia Finch, who has that experience and has spoken up about JW in the past. Lydia, welcome to the ESP. Thank you for having me. So my understanding is you used to be a Jehovah's Witness and now you consider yourself a skeptic. So maybe we should start from the beginning. Uh, Were you born into Jehovah's Witnesses or did you convert into... Uh, No, I was born in. Yeah, okay. From birth. My mum converted when she was, I think, around about 17. But at that point, she already had two children. At 17? yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. starting early. Hmm? Yeah. Um, and what's actually quite interesting about that is she had, at that point, she was brought up in London and then she moved to Milton Keynes at that point. So she was at that point where she was quite socially isolated mm-hmm. at that point. My dad was out of the house. She had. She was very young, had two children, and she was converted by someone knocking on the door. Mm. Uh, so it kind of gave her an instant community, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a big factor in a lot of conversions of this type. Yeah, she was rather vulnerable in that situation, I can imagine, yeah. to be converted into something yeah. like JW. Yeah, Yeah, and that, that is a factor of a lot of these, let's call them high control groups, mm. some people call them cults. Mm. Uh, Margaret Singer actually called it a normal blip in life. So when you're at a point where things are transitioning, mm. everything is changing around you, that's when you're the most vulnerable to one of these types of groups. Yeah, yeah. 
So you grew up as a, as a JW. How did you find that experience now that you look back on it? Were, were you happy? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it is kind of weird because at the time, obviously, it's normal. It's all you've ever known. But now, looking back, you kind of realize how much you missed out on. Hmm. Obviously, we didn't have, well, I don't know if this is obvious, but we didn't have birthdays, Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, New Year's celebrations. Like, we, there there are no celebrations <laughs> growing up. We At that point, we had very religious assemblies at school, mm-hmm. which I was, I wouldn't be allowed to partake in that. I wasn't allowed to be in assemblies anytime kids did anything like even making Christmas cards stuff like that I would be excluded from the class at that point as well and obviously I had to go and uh, knock on doors oh to convert people yeah Yeah. to convert people and that will happen basically from birth you'll be doing that kind of thing you grow up just very separate from everybody you go to school with yeah Um, I mean luckily I did I did go to a normal school because I know a lot of children now are being homeschooled, mm. um, which is even more isolating. Of course, yeah. And I think actually going to a normal school was kind of the one thing that I had that kind of made me think differently, perhaps. Mm. It wasn't total immersion as some people can have now. Yeah. So how old were you when you started to reconsider? And you, you when and how did you leave, basically? <laughs> Okay, this is not a noble story. <laughs> I, I was questioning that not that didn't happen. I left when I was okay, so let's backtrack a bit. Okay, so I got officially they don't have child baptism, which means you don't get like christened as a baby. You have to make that decision yourself, although it's very coercive. Yeah. You have to make that decision yourself. And then you are baptized when you can answer a certain amount of questions right uh, and dedicate your life basically to the organization, not God. So I I got baptized when I was, I think, 17. And then about just before my 18th birthday, let's say I left. But what I actually did was I had a boyfriend from outside of the organization and I had sex with him. And that's that's how I left. Mm-hmm. Because so at that point, you would be you would have something called a judicial committee, which is three of the elders, which like, I guess, like priests, that's the equivalent. And they will basically tell you how bad you are and then you can repent or not. Mm. Now, I refused to go to my judicial committee. So because I wasn't there, that's when you are disfellowshipped. Now, disfellowshipped is when you're officially thrown out of the congregation yeah so you didn't leave because you lost your faith it was actually you being pushed out because you had behaved quote-unquote badly yeah because of my bad behavior yeah um (laughs) um but and what is somewhat i think unusual about me is that i i still believed all of it until about i guess until my first child was about one so about so about seven years ago, wow. so to give give people some sort of idea, I am now 41. Um, I left when I was 18. So I, I still believed all this. Um, and I had I had nightmares about Armageddon weekly because mm. I was on the outside then and I was like, I knew I was going to die. And that's a really weird place to be in, to not 
be in it, but also believe it because you you really feel like your death warrant has been signed Yeah. at that point. I knew I wasn't happy in it, but I didn't disbelieve it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's You said also that you were baptized into the organization rather than into God. Did I get that right? No, that is right, because if you look at, um, there's a lot of questions you have to go through, but one of the questions is is about, there's like these three main things on the day that you get baptized, and it is dedicating yourself to the organization, hmm. not to God. Hmm. Um, so... That's weird. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you don't really, you don't really, uh, you're so kind of programmed at that point that you don't even notice those mm. tiny little things. Yeah, that's a big distinction, I, I would say. I think, so, <laughs> yes. but you kind of only see it after after the event. But the thing is, once when you get baptized, that's an action that cannot, uh, you can't go back on that action. Mm. Mm. You can't go, oh, I was wrong. Bear in mind that at the moment they are baptizing. I think the earliest, the youngest I heard of was a six-year-old. So what that essentially means that if you make a decision as a six-year-old, you yeah. cannot ever go back on that. No. If let, let's go back to the organization to JW, what would you say are the well? Let, let's put it bluntly. What are, what are the worst parts of being part of <laughs> JW? <laughs> Okay. Well, the worst. What are the worst parts? Um, and again, this is something you only really realise when you've grown up in it. Stuff you don't realise until you leave is that absolutely every single element of your life is controlled. Yeah. Uh, what you do, what friends you have, uh, even stuff like what you know. Occasionally, they would come talk to you about what books you should read or shouldn't read, what kind of activities you do. You know, obviously you can't smoke, you're not meant to drink very much, no sex before marriage, um, divorce is a big no-no, which mm-hmm. is a huge problem, <laughs> by the yeah. way. For me, though, I know other people have had much worse experiences than me, but um, it's the it's the utter control of it. It's the fact, for me, is the fact that afterwards it never leaves you. It mm. never really entirely leaves you. I, I don't know anyone who's come that, come out of it totally unscathed yeah so you will never recover if you will um i don't yeah i think it's one of those things you kind of you kind of get i think if you do a lot of work which i did i did a lot of work trying to understand it and understand how the control works so you can come to a point where you understand it and you understand these people that are in there as victims Mm. rather than bad people but i think especially when you've grown up with it there's so much that is just instilled in you as a child that never really goes away. Um, so if it's not a too personal question, have the nightmares fully stopped now or do you still yes. have them sometimes? Yes, and I'll tell you when they stop. This is actually quite weird. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a wrong story. But um, I, uh, by chance, listened to a podcast called Skeptoid, which you may have heard of. Oh, yeah. We've had yeah. Brian Dunning on the show once. Oh, oh really? Or twice, <laughs> I maybe. Met, yeah. I met him, actually, at um, yeah. Nexus okay. a few Good. years ago. I was like, you're the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a, a show about the Exodus. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that's, <laughs> and that started me questioning just the Bible as a whole. 
not specifically Jehovah's Witnesses, but just belief in the Bible. Yeah. And from that point, I kind of start. I, I did more and more research, and then I started researching, started researching Jehovah's Witnesses in particular. And it was only after probably, I'd say, probably a couple of years of doing that that the nightmares stopped. Um, and I had done enough research to assure myself, that actually, this is not going to happen. This is no. not. This is all BS. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, and, that's, and that's when they stopped. But I will say that sometimes, not so much now, but um, a few years ago when I was giving talks, I, if I'm working a lot on that stuff and kind of processing it, I'd, I still do get kind of weird weird dreams then hmm. um, that get thrown up, but not a lot. I was having them weekly before. Yeah, wow. Yeah. You said the word cult before. Would you say that, that Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult? Yes. Now, <laughs> let me qualify this. Uh, it is. Okay, so, because <laughs> I did, I actually attended a 12-week course about cults and totalitarianism. And you're kind of given this understanding of the the structure of a cult. And they all kind of work the same way. Rather than thinking it has to be a religion or it has to be isolated in like some, you know, th these ones you hear about in America that are on some, uh, you know, farm somewhere. Away yeah. from, it, it's about the control that is exerted on you. And there's a very helpful structure by Stephen Hassan, which is called the BITE model, which is control of behavior, information, thoughts, and emotion. Mm -hmm. And if an organization is doing those things, then that constitutes being a cult. And it's hard because cult, in some ways, is a completely overused word, mm -hmm. especially recently. Anything that someone doesn't agree with, a group of people, that must be a cult. But the people who have researched it for years and i'm talking about 20 plus years mm. a very different understanding of that kind of setup mm. and it's important to understand that not not all religions are cults in my opinion i know many disagree <laughs> yeah and not all cults are religious mm. so it depends on the structure of it rather than the beliefs yeah what you said about separating the faith from the actual organization yeah that smells like a cult to me because you are have to be loyal and faithful to the organization as such yeah. regardless of the religion almost yeah yeah i mean as someone said like if you can walk away without any ramifications it's probably not a cult <laughs> yeah the amount of you know who i would call uh, ex cult members almost all of them lose something yeah like for me I haven't, I haven't seen my mum for about 20 years. Yeah. Seen, you know, parts of my family for that amount of time because that's it, it's cut off. And, you know, although some religions could be seen as very controlling, they don't have that impact no. on your life if you walk away. Yeah. Speaking of that, now you were sort of kicked out, or not sort of, you were kicked out I rather was. than leaving. <laughs> uh, but if you would try to. If somebody would try to leave voluntarily, you have this whole business with the shunning as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Uh, yeah, the shunning. And yeah. I will say, because I just looked on their website, I hate looking on their website because yeah. it's really, what's the word? It's, it's very dishonest because it says there categorically, it says that they don't shun people. Yeah. And that's so ridiculously dishonest. I don't know where to start. But what will happen, what's happened to me and happened to many other people, but when you are officially disfellowshipped or disassociate is another that's when you say to them, I don't want to be considered Jehovah's Witness anymore. You are cut off completely. You're cut off completely from the whole community. You're cut off from your family. That includes your mother, your father, children, shun their parents. I know many, many examples of that. Hmm. That's not a personal choice. They tell you to do that. They tell their adherents to do that. Yeah. So it, it's really hard. It's really hard for me to read that website. Because it, it is so dishonest. I mean, they used to, many years ago, probably back in the 80s, possibly, there was this kind of little kind of loophole where family could still talk to you. But over time, that has become more and more shut down. Yeah. Because obviously, what they need to do is isolate people. And if you've got a, a member of your family who doesn't believe anymore, then that's dangerous yeah. to them. Are they afraid that this would spread or could spread to the rest of the family members? Is that the reason? Or they don't yep. tell you the reason why? It's just the rule. Yep, because they need to remove unclean people from the congregation. Yeah. And because there's a scripture, I don't know what the scripture is, by the way, <laughs> the scripture about not eating with somebody who's left the congregation. And so they take it really literally. Like you cannot have any dealings with people at all. But I, from what I've seen from people, because you've got these people called, it's like these abbreviations, physically in, mentally out, like PIMO, P-I-M-O. Okay. So people who are still attending, like like the guy who gave you a talk, who had to have the 10 years to leave. So they are physically still attending, doing everything they want to do, but they're mentally not there anymore. Yeah. Sorry, what was I saying? I need to backtrack now. Yeah. What was... The, the question was... Are they afraid of... Oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I was going with this. Mm. Yeah, the fact is that most of the people who are still there but don't want to be there are there because of family ties. They're there because they don't want to lose their family. Yeah. I feel that if they got rid of the shunning policy, huge amounts would leave. Ah. There are so many there just because they don't want to lose their family. Yeah. I know people. <laughs> I know someone who has gone back doesn't believe it has gone back because he wants his family back yeah and that is just such a crazy level of control i understand it but it's that's a crazy amount of control to make somebody and it's not and it's not like it's just you know you go on sunday morning for a for one service it is you are in you are going two or three meetings a week in my time you'd be going three times a week you'd be out knocking on doors you have to you, you can't do any of the normal things it's a complete control of your life again so some people make the equation and that is worth it for them hmm. yeah that's crazy <laughs> it is i mean it is an overused word but it sounds like a cult to me i mean i, I don't yes. know why you wouldn't qualify as a cult exactly you, you, you talked about them being dishonest uh, as well and that's something i've picked up or rather heard from well two weeks ago when we talked about uh, jw on the show some former uh, jw's came up and said we don't believe that they have now promised 
the Swedish government that they will not object to blood transfusions for kids, for instance. Of course, you can only guess what they are, how honest they are when they say something. What would your comment be to that? Um, okay. Because that was the big stumbling block. Yeah. That's why they couldn't get uh, support before. So say, okay, we will not do that anymore. Yeah. Well, number one, I think their blood policy, I think, is very problematic to them because they've dug their heels in for so long about it, that if they backtrack now, that's a major doctrine change for them. How much do you know about their blood policy? Because it's weird. <laughs> no, no, please tell us. Because, okay, yeah. it keeps changing. Um, it used to be no blood transfusions at all. No blood, no blood, no blood at all. And then they changed it. And that, now it's at the point where, okay, I wrote this down because it's really confusing. Okay, so you can't have whole blood. So you can't have red cells, white cells, platelets, plasma together as blood. However, (laughs) Uh you can choose to have fractions. So you can have fractions of red cells, fractions of white cells, fractions of platelets, and fractions of plasma. Now, you can have basically a whole blood transfusion in fractions. That's up to the person but you can't have whole blood transfusions. So that's really confusing anyway. I'm sure I'm sure God wouldn't see through that deception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ah, oh, you got me there. So that's weird. So now every apparently now people are allowed they're still not allowed a whole blood transfusion, but they can choose which fractions of blood they can have. So that's confusing, but Clearly, this is still happening because I see stories all the time where a court has decided that, especially like children, are allowed to have it. And end of the day, there is a a massive difference between legally not telling somebody in written saying you cannot have a blood transfusion and coercion. Mm. Now, most of what they do is coercion. So it's they could stop saying you cannot have a blood transfusion. But the whole atmosphere and the way their literature is written, there'd still be massive, massive pressure, I think, not to do it. Hmm. So, you know, it, like with the shunning, they say officially, oh, we don't tell people to shun yeah. people. But actually, the whole atmosphere of it is enough to make people behave in a certain way. Yeah. So the, about uh, blood transfusion for children, you... You hinted at one thing. I said, okay, you could always have a court ruling saying, well, we override your right as a parent here because we're saving this person's life. That doesn't work if it's an emergency because you can't have the court standing by in the operation room every time if there's an accident or something like that. That's just a common. So there's other problems, I guess. Uh, Misogyny. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Women should shut up in the congregation, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, in the um, something we laugh about now uh, on the outside is that so like their meetings and stuff, they'll be in a hall and they've got microphones to answer questions and stuff like that. Women aren't even allowed to handle the microphones. We're not like it. Only the men are allowed mm. to like, kind of give out the microphones because, of course, we're women. How could we be expected to give out microphones? Um, <laughs> And it's all men, all men giving the talks as well. There used to be a thing where women would have, would give these kind of five minute, I had to do this from a really young age and it was awful. You had to sit 
but you'd have to be with another woman, another, a sister, doing it. But that was the only way you could present any information to the congregation, which is weird. You're not allowed to say prayers. Oh, and also, if you do have to say a prayer, because there's no adult brother there, but there's a boy, you have to cover your head. <laughs> oh, my God. So usually a tea towel, just saying. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, you have to write all these rules down because it seems very easily you could break them without you knowing um but there is again there is this atmosphere of if you are a woman you the man is the head of the household yeah Um, and men are you you know in these judicial committees it's all men you you have to only men can be elders or ministerial servants which is kind of one down from an elder always men um all the authority lies with men what what if you're a single mother? Of course, you're not allowed to be a single mother, but you can be a widow, of course, with a couple yeah. of kids. Who decides over you then as a woman if, if you can't be head of the, the um, household? You would be head of the household, but you definitely, there's definitely going to be a lot of input mm. from the elders in your life. I mean, my mum was not even a single parent and there was significant interference mm. from elders. All, all through hmm. upbringing, I would say. Um, so they definitely kind of take you under their wing, I guess. Okay, so when you then hear about the Swedish government incorporating JW into the list of sort of approved religions where you can, where it's okay to support them, how, how, how do you feel about that? <sighs> it makes me angry, but I'm not surprised, to be honest. It upsets me that... Unless you do some digging, they're seen as these very kind of normal Christian religious people. And people don't really know what's happening within that group because it's so isolated. You know, with a massive, massive child abuse problem. Mm. Oh, we didn't even touch on that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Matt, like percentage wise, it's worse than the Catholic Church. Oh, that's bad. But Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's worse than the Catholic Church. And, you know, they're, they're basically, they have things set up to make it easy. They don't get rid of people, don't get rid of paedophiles within the organization. That, the blood thing, and the shunning, I just, I can't understand how anyone would think this is a good organization. You know, and the, and the charity status is insane because they don't do, I'll tell you categorically, they do not do any charity work all they do is knock on doors actually don't even knock on doors very much anymore they stand with the carts in the street Mm. and i think they've carried on doing that because they need their charity status and they don't do anything else Mm. so i'm stunned (laughs) okay but that that explains one thing because they do actually once in a while knock on my door Mm. and unfortunately it's never been a convenient time for me because I would love to, uh, you know, give them some coffee and really want to hear <laughs> their side of the story, just because I'm curious. But but they always seem very happy to walk away. Okay, so this is maybe because they they don't really want to be there. Then is that no one? I mean, apart from a couple, I'm sure there are a couple who enjoy doing it. But I mean, most people, I never wanted to do it. I hated it. I did it for sixty hours a month. Wow. <laughs> I didn't want to do a single hour. But you do it because you're told you have to do it. You made to feel guilty if you don't do it. And so, yeah, they're happy to walk away. And also, it's, it's difficult because with 
you know, when I was in it many moons ago, it wasn't so easy to fact check things. Hmm. I would hope there's more people who are kind of better informed now. So if you if you can knock on a door, do your duty and walk away, that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> that's okay. a, that's a perfect situation. All right. Thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting to hear your story. You have been giving some uh, talks at Skeptics in the Pub in the past, I think. Uh, do you do that still? Or are there any other way people can find out more about you and your story and your work? Um, I've actually stopped because I'm at university now. Okay. And I don't have time to do it. Okay. But there are, if you look on YouTube, mm-hmm. if you just Lydia Finch, Jehovah's Witness, that will bring up previous interviews and stuff that I've done. Very good. Okay, thanks a lot then. Thank you. Bye-bye, Lydia. Bye. Lydia, bye. Well, there you go. As Lydia says, we should be... Well, you should always be careful when you're using the word cult. But if JW is not a cult, then I don't know what is. Mm. Especially since it's focusing on commitment to the organization as such, rather than to commit to the religion. And the whole... so you mean your your faith your yeah, yeah. in God? When you're asked to commit, when you yeah. when you get baptized, you are mm. committing to JW as an organization more yeah, yeah. than to God, really. Yeah. So that that's one thing. And then the whole business of shunning and then blatantly lying about that—that's also mm. another thing. So, uh, how many red flags do you need before you call it a cult? It's yeah. a cult. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Even if Lydia, as you could hear, is talking very freely about her experiences and she even laughs about it occasionally, her story is rather alarming, I think. We all know that these things are happening and we've heard about them, but it's quite different to hear it directly from somebody who's been there. And I must say, it makes me uh, very angry and upset, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, thank you for that, Pontus. I know you had to work on your own here, but, you know, it was a great interview. Yeah. My cat agrees. <laughs> so um, our listeners noticed that we've been doing this podcast without Andres last couple of weeks. He's been away. Yeah. Traveling. Where was he traveling, Pontus? It was Malaysia the last time I, I checked. So. <laughs> the time differences are pretty crazy between three countries like Europe, America and, and throw Malaysia in the mix. So it's been pretty difficult. But um, I'm understanding he is going to be back on track with us. He'll be back for episode 200. Is 200, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Okay. But so until then, we will continue our double effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot happening in the moment. We have a long, long list of news and poking yes. the Pope and stuff that we want to do. Yes. But you yes. will hear about that next week. For next week. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all next week. Okay. Paka, paka. Bye bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. 
We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Frab and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.vesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. We, we still don't have Andras. Oh, it, it's the third episode oh, in a row. Isn't and he like dead in your cellar? Wasn't that established last time? No. <laughs> All right. So, uh... I, I, I don't enjoy editing the ah uh, that you just said. <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs>